Welcome back to Don't Give Up Space Cowboy, the Cowboy Bebop podcast that is your only source for true mono computers. Not, none of that fake shit. We only sell old none vintage that, no. mono computers here. Uh, my name is Jeremy Greer. I'm joined my, with my... Ugh, wow, I haven't done this in a while, Chris. I am joined by my co-host. It's been a while. Uh, Chris Mosier. Chris, how are you doing today? What is up, my dude? I'm chilling. I'm back in the saddle. I'm excited to talk about some spaceships. We have uh, we've kind of taken a hiatus on this podcast for a long time because we were we got excited about other projects, and uh, I'm uh, I'm pretty excited to get back into it, especially because we have uh, two. I would say one okay episode and one like really phenomenal great episode that I love a whole lot. So I'm I'm pretty excited to get yeah, into it. Um, I always forget about what the back half of the season has in store, so I was kind of um. It, it was sort of a gamble, or it was a roll of dice here. I didn't know what we were going to get. And we got, uh, yeah, we got some good stuff. Yeah, it's 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 a good time. Uh, the first episode we're going to be covering today is Session 19, uh, which is Wild Horses, which came out on March 6, 1999. This was written by Akihiko Inari. While Jet and Faye try to capture pirates, Spike visits his old and eccentric friend, Duhan, for an overhaul of the swordfish. Um, right away, I uh, kind of... I feel like this episode is a, is a little disjointed. Like I kind of had trouble keeping track of what the fuck was happening during this episode. Like there was a lot of like technology being thrown at me, and uh-huh. and a lot of like weird like ways to transmit a virus. Ships appearing and disappearing at random that I didn't quite understand. Like I had to like there was one moment and I was like, oh shit, Faye got kidnapped, and then she was just on the bebop, and I'm like, so they didn't yeah. take Faye? <laughs> what? <laughs> Which before it's we get into like- the the blow by blow, what, what was your thoughts on this? So much happens in this episode and none of it matters because it's like in true Bebop style. It's just about the vibe that they're putting out. It's just about like the old school and the new school like coming together to to save the day, I guess, in this case. And it's just like adding the tiniest bit of backstory for Spike. It's where he got his ship, right? But like it's not really addressed other than like it used to be this guy's and now it's Spike's. Um, And yeah, none of the plot stuff I feel like matters in any way, shape or form. It's just kind of those those dusty desert vibes that it's putting out and like these these old people working with new people or young people and i don't know like yeah plot i don't i don't fucking know <laughs> it's it's a little all over, all over the place uh but the vibe is definitely there and i think it's really exciting to see um like at the like at the end of this episode we're going to see like the challenger right like this is the nasa challenger yeah. <laughs> um and it's so it's exciting to see like actual like rocket ships as unbelievable as it kind of is that they would be in this in this world like it's still kind of interesting right. to me it's still kind of neat yeah um so we we start off with uh spike has crash landed on this planet uh and he is he's what it looks like he's given a thumbs up to a spaceship that's like taking off into yeah. the atmosphere but i think that he's just gauging how far it is away maybe i don't know that could make sense so i it's like a first person view of his like thumb like it's all like hazy and he's pointing up at the sky and um we actually we see that thing like repeated later on um and it's just like interesting that they're doing this kind of same thing um i thought he was uh like uh, fruitlessly hitchhiking, <laughs> sticking his thumb up. <laughs> I like that idea a lot. <laughs> but I mean, it's probably not what he was doing because no. he's waiting for a ride. He's not trying to get picked up by a spaceship, but that's kind of what I was seeing him do. Um, but he does later on kind of use that same like indication to, to track 
um, the trajectory of something like towards the end of the episode. Uh, not with his thumb, but he like scratches on the the glass and looks through it that way. So maybe he's doing something like that, trying to measure the distance or whatever. Um, just being just being Spike. Yeah, when we get to that, a, uh, the Wikipedia had a pretty fun factoid about that that I was not aware of because I am not a huge space nerd. But uh, that is actually like a thing that. Um, uh, a actual like s- astronaut did on a on a space mission one time, like the scratching the stuff oh. into the glass. I thought that was really really cool. Um, That's very cool. Based on the last flight of the Mercury program, when pilot Gordon Cooper had to do the same thing during reentry, so that's kind of cool. I thought that was pretty awesome. I love that Bebop is like filled with not just like cultural references as in like movies, but like real like real life things that have happened, like just kind of permeate this, this world. Um, and I think it gives it almost, even though we didn't, neither of us knew that when we watched the episode, it kind of almost gives it a bit more sense of like a groundedness and reality when, like when you find out that yes, that that's something that somebody did. That's just, that's cool. Yeah. There's some, there's some neat stuff in here. Uh, there was one thing that I did pick up on that I'll, I'll comment on later, but, uh, the, like they, they they pulled some sound effects from the movie Alien that I was like I know I know huh. those noises like why because I'm a big Alien fan like I love those movies to mm-hmm. death and I, I even get into like the extended fiction of the Alien universe so let's do it <laughs> let's do it everybody the, the extended sound effects <laughs> yeah I'm, I've, I've got them all memorized uh, I've got my yeah. I've got my phone app that just plays the boot up sequence for Mother uh, <laughs> anyway. Um, so he's crash landed. Uh, we go to Faye who's just kind of orbiting around and complaining that she's not doing anything. And Jed is like, don't worry. You're, you're doing exactly what I wanted you to do, which is be bait for these space pirates. Uh, and like Jet is on his ship with Ed and, uh, Ayn. Ayn, I never get tired of zero G Ayn, Chris. Like this should, I, I, yeah, I love it's it. Always it's, it's always a good time. Like it's always a good spin for me. Um, yeah, and they're just, like, chilling out here in space, like, very focused on what's going on, or Jet's focused on what's going on. Um, and Faye is just wondering, like, hey, uh, why hasn't Spike checked in? <laughs> Jet's like, who gives a shit? We're working. <laughs> We're not going to worry about it right now. <laughs> Back on the Earth, uh, this truck rolls up, and it's uh, driven by a character named Miles. Uh, Miles is f- obsessed with baseball. He's a huge fan of the Blue Sox, and uh, his, his, his team is not going well, and he wants to talk about it a lot. Uh, Spike was expecting Duhan, but Miles is Duhan's assistant. And uh, he, as they jump in the truck, Miles continually rambles about like all of these sports figures and facts and things like that. While Spike just completely ignores him to the point where Miles is like, do people tell you, you don't talk a lot? Like, do people tell you you talk too much? And I'm like, yep. Okay. This is exactly how I would be in this relationship, in this, in this situation. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, and I like it because Spike is sitting there all grumpy, but like there's a, there's a cut of him with just a smile on his face. Um, and that's I think that's Spike in a nutshell right there. He just he, he doesn't really have a mean bone in his body. He's just he just is the way he is. Um, but this kid is stoked because he recognizes Spike's ship, the Swordfish, because um, it was built by um, Doohan. Yeah, and it used to be a, a famous racing ship. And, uh, and Spike kind of just brushes that off. And I think he says something to the extent of like, that's just an old spaceship to me. Like, it's just a, it, yeah, you know, Spike yeah. is just too cool for every fucking thing, including his dope ass spaceship that <laughs> used to win races. Like, come on, Spike. Like, yeah. you're, you know, come you're on, a little man. bit cool. Come on. Come on. Um, they, uh, they arrive at this like spaceship junkyard, uh, which is a vibe that I can very much get behind. Um, oh, yeah. As soon as they pull in, they see this huge explosion from one of the buildings. And uh, we find out that Duhan, who basically just completely ignores them both, uh, but he's been working on, on fixing up a, an old junker of a spaceship that we kind of see in the shadows throughout the episode until the very end. 
Yeah. Also, at the very, is he in some sort of weird like cube pyramid thing, or did I just imagine that? It looked like it, it looked like a legit hanger to me, but uh, maybe just like maybe you know etched up a little bit. The way that the light is, the way the lights reflecting off of it, I think that's that's where I got that idea from. Could um, be. But yeah, yeah, it's all this real like say old school, but it was almost like uh, current with the modern technology when the show was uh, being made. Exactly. Yeah. Um. We he starts listening. Duhan starts listening all these parts that Miles is going to need to pick up, um, and then we go back up into space where we meet our space pirates. Um, just I'm just going to give a lot of credit to the wiki here. These pirates are named uh, George Herman and Ruth, which is a play on the, okay. on George Herman Babe Ruth <laughs> uh, for all the okay. for all the baseball all right. stuff. And um, they, it also says in the wiki, and I want I don't know if you can confirm this or not. Um, the trio is also inspired by the anime Macross for its method of using three different characters to communicate a parody in this case it's towards herman ruth so i don't know if you're I, uh, yeah i don't, I don't know. know about that I but know. i thought I the, the i don't know the the baseball reference was really good because i'll be honest i don't remember i know they showed their names at one point but i don't remember them saying their names at all during this so yeah that that went right over my head um so who knows thank you wikipedia for giving us all these tasty morsels of facts yeah coming uh, up big for all these references that i don't get yeah <laughs> yeah the next episode is full of that stuff too and i'm, I'm pretty excited to get into that um yeah so these guys kind of have this this weird like Robin Hood like socialism mentality. They're like, we're going to rob from the rich, we're going to give it to the poor, which is us. <laughs> we're the poor, we're going to take it for ourselves. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so it's not as altruistic, but it, you know they're kind of they're kind of wa- talking that talk, even if they're not walking the walk. Right, right, right. Um, and they, man, for all of the like the threat that this keeps being like posed to everybody, like it doesn't really matter for this episode. These pirates are just sort of there. They aren't really causing any issues. It's just Faye and Jet trying really hard to catch them. Yeah, uh, Faye Im- immediately starts like d- drawing down and shooting on them, uh, and then uh, they turn around and they like shoot. And this is where I get really lost in this. There's a lot of harpoons you being used in this episode, and oh, yeah. like apparently the harpoons are used to transmit some sort of weird like low tech virus that causes Faye's ship to just start like going crazy, and she can't get it under control. And then. Um, and then, like that, that happens to also to the bebop, or maybe it was the hammerhead. Like, I, I, I get real confused as to the the sequence of I events here. It's because, uh, well, she gets hit, but she is connected to the bebop and the hammerhead via whatever they're connected by internet connection, basically. Um, but it's a physical harpoon, what, right? It's a physical harpoon that physically puts a virus in her but then i think she transmits oh it i got you i got you okay, okay. Ship, and okay. that's that's what the issue is and i kept expecting the twist in this episode to be that like spike's old hardware is what saves the day and like is that is that really the case no no that's not what happens at all <laughs> <laughs> um and it, what happens is infinitely more complicated than that and i would actually have liked that way more better <laughs> um <laughs> but uh, so this all ends with these pirates getting away and all uh, all of our 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 cruise ships being basically disla- disabled. Um, we go back to the junkyard where Spike is kind of looking at a the classic wall of pictures that you know every old mm-hmm. dude who does a thing real well and has been <laughs> doing sure. it for years. Uh, like the the picture the the wall of memories and uh, it's it's all like. Uh, Air Force stuff, right? Like it's all like looks like test pilot stuff. Yeah. Like if you've seen Captain Marvel, like you saw this scene in Captain Marvel. This the whole thing existed in there. <laughs> so, and this is where we get a lot of that, like you know, 
new school versus old school vibe. That's where it really comes into play because Miles wants to do things his way, but the old man just wants to do things the old man way. Um, and I think Cowboy Bebop is always playing with like these conflicting worlds, not just when they're directly pitting a young person against an old person. Um, but there's so much of the old and the new and like past life and your current life and all these things that are always coalescing and always kind of butting heads. Um, that's kind of, I feel like a core part of like every episode of Cowboy Bebop is something old versus something new in some way, mm-hmm. shape or form. Um, and that's just like really thrown out here within the pro when they're talking about fixing the swordfish. Cause Miles, the kid, he wants to like add all these old, you know, these new parts in and like skip this step, do that. We should make this better. But the old guys insists like, no, this, this needs to be fixed a certain way because some things just run better that way. It's almost like Dean and the Impala. It feels like he has to have this classic car because it does things a certain way and he likes the way that they run. And yeah, he could put in a new radio and it might sound better, but it wouldn't be the same. I was about to say, do you remember the time that um, <laughs> Sam hooked up his iPod to the radio in the Impala right. and, it's, and he got right. real mad about it? What? You gave me the car, Dean. It's my car now. Um, yeah. So Spike calls Faye, um, who is telling him that Jet is working on trying to get the bacteria out of the Bebop, causing it to malfunction, not understanding what a virus is or anything. And Ed is trying to explain and is being extremely cute. Um, Jet is trying to explain what was going on. He uses a lot of like fancy lingo that goes over Faye's head and I think Spike's head as well. Like neither one of these people seem to be concerned that they are flying around like extremely advanced spaceships. They're just like, yep, it's a car. (laughs) It's just a fucking car. I'm not worried about the, not worried about the you know the, the carburetor in my spaceship at all these extremely highly functioning dumbasses <laughs> exactly yeah um <clears throat> and then there's this scene where um duhan had to order this special mono computer uh only one guy in town had it and he pulls up to get it and duhan is like yeah i'll give you 150 wulongs for it. And the guy's like 150 more like a hundred thousand and like they're they're having this conversation and then Spike and Faye are also having a conversation and it keeps overlapping with one another until like, uh, eventually Spike asks Faye, like, where did you even get this virus? And this guy's like, where did you even get this mono computer? And they both say a delivery truck at the same time, which is really hard yeah. to relate if you're not actually watching this, <laughs> but like, it's a, it's right. a, it's a clever piece of writing that I'm like, and it's, it's not even particularly funny. Like, it's just kind of interesting. Like I like it's, it's a fun exercise in writing almost. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, for sure. They, um, cause I hadn't pegged at all that the pirates were in a delivery truck. Like that was, that didn't mean anything to me. I didn't either. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't only until much later that I figured that part out. (laughs) Then they start putting the pieces together and they're like, well, wait, hold on. These guys are stealing parts and selling it. So that means that, you know, maybe this is some kind of a lead, even though Spike is pretty much not part of this bounty hunt in any way, shape or form. Not, not at all. Uh, but he eventually joins back up with the gang. Um, I guess this chip is repaired now. Um, Jet is is real adamant about wanting to go back out after these pirates because he's mad that they messed up his ship, the Hammerhead, and they also yeah. called the Bebop a piece of junk. And um, yeah, can't can't stand for that. <laughs> and he's he goes through like this long spiel about uh, reversing their virus back to them using some sort of like old technology that will. Uh, but if they put it on. Jet's, or excuse me, they put it on Spike's ship, then his navigation computer won't work, so Jet will have to guide him through this whole, and like, it takes a long time, and it it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me whatsoever. <laughs> like, I, I like it, like, it's fine, like, I don't have to understand it, but I don't, I don't get it at all. But I feel like that is Spike and Faye's perspective as well. Jet is explaining this long, complicated thing, and like, neither of them care 
understand or give a shit. Like, it's just like, yeah, whatever, dude. Like, we'll do what you say. And um, I was – I don't think that this is correct, but I was just sort of interpreting it as we're not going to use a network – uh, we're just going to use like radio waves to communicate and we're going to like do things that way. Um, and I think that they, there is some sort of radio satellite, something or other going on because they pick up, um, or the miles picks up spikes conversation from earth below. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't really know exactly what they're up to, but it, it they're, they're doing something. That's why I thought, Oh, they must be getting ready to use some old technology that can't be hacked because it's, you know, a manual system, whatever. I don't know, but that's not, that's not really what it is. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess that, that, that makes, and that's like, if they're, if they're cutting off their navigation computers, like if they're turning down their network, this is like a Battlestar Galactica situation, right? Like where, when they got attacked by the Cylons, they were like, Oh, now we can't mm-hmm. network computers. So all of our battleships are like individually or whatever. Um, so they they make this decision. Spike puts a uh, what looks like a like a a, a gussied up walkie talkie or like a Walkman on his dash and takes off and like yeah. because it's using these like low frequency radio waves, he starts picking up the baseball game that Miles was listening to. Like that starts cutting in and out, um, which is going to play into something that happens a little bit later in the episode. Um, we go back over to Miles, just checking in with him to see that he's also listening to the same baseball game and getting literally growled at by Duhan. And I'm like, Duhan, dude, come on. Like, Miles is a good guy. Like, he's doing your dirty work for you, man. Like, yeah, I know he's a yeah. young whippersnapper, but so were you in your day. Like, chill out. What are you doing? He's <laughs> very, very curmudgeonly, this man. Uh, this this next scene is something I want to talk to you about because we see this, like, giant space station thing. And... um to me, it's probably one of the things that the, one of the worst looking things that I've seen in the show. Like, it just looks like CGI from this era, which I don't think okay. we've really seen a lot of. So they, I think in in the next episode they do it as well with some of like the buildings. And they like do, cityscapes. yeah. Mm-hmm. They really started trying to experiment with um, CGI and anime. Like this was like really trying to push that, um, or at least experiment with that in anime because there actually wasn't a whole lot of it back then. Um, and I think that some of this was considered to be groundbreaking at the time. Like, Oh, look, look what they're doing. But I think that it, it does not hold up well whatsoever. Um, as new technologies often do, I wonder if they're almost making a statement <laughs> with that. Yeah. Um, it's like, it's somehow made a statement about how the, the old anime cell art looks amazing. And it always does. But this um, hot new technology that they tried to apply at the time, it doesn't look good at all. Yeah, it's um, especially compared to what we're what we're looking at, right? Like the the actual animation of this is so good and so fluid and so pretty that anything that's kind of like this looks weirdly grainy in that like kind of like yeah, low budget yeah. CGI early '90s kind of way, even though this was the late '90s. Um, and I, it, you know what? It, you probably never messed around with like when CD-ROMs were first coming out for computers, and you would get like a like a multimedia disc with your CD-ROM that you would buy. It would be play like oh, yeah. a oh yeah, like a two forty by three forty like thumbnail of a video off your two speed CD-ROM <laughs> or whatever. Like it, lo- yeah. it reminded me of CGI from that era. Um, and it's not like it, it's it's only a few seconds. Like I'm, we're probably talking about it way more than it needs to. It just stuck out to me because uh, and even in the next episode, like the stuff that they do in that episode actually looks pretty good. Like it seems like it's incorporated better this just was like here um yeah it's um i mean i'm glad you brought it up because i i kind of just brushed it aside what you know whatever it doesn't look great but um no i think i think it's important to like recognize that this is something they were trying to do and it accidentally in my opinion fits in with the themes of this episode yeah absolutely <laughs> um, yeah it, it works out really well <laughs> 
it's not it doesn't really like re- detract from the episode too much but it is interesting that this is something that they they were really trying to push and experiment with and like it just ended up all these years later it doesn't look good i bet back then it was a lot more visually interesting to be like oh look at this thing spinning you can tell that it's cgi and not like flat cell animation whatever but um yeah it just uh, it doesn't doesn't hold up so, um, but what we're doing here is that um, this this delivery service, I believe, is called a Purple Penguin, and their ships are this white and purple, white with these kind of purple designs on them, and that's what they, they know that these pirates are, are driving around in. Um, so they're staking out the place, and then they realize that there is, this is not a delivery truck, it's a delivery company, and then there's a lot of vehicles yeah. that match this description. Um, <clears throat> Spike and Faye, being super cool, uh, extremely competent, and complete dumbasses, are like, well, let's just shoot them both. Like, what's go- what's it going to matter? Like, yeah. we're, we're bounty hunters, yeah. let's just do the thing. And of course... It was like, well, just shoot, and whoever runs is guilty, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and Jet immediately is like, what if they're both not guilty? Like, what if neither one yeah. of them are the pirates? <laughs> it's a distinct flaw the plan um so they both but you know they don't listen to jet of course jet uh fade lights them up and of course it's just uh some people that are scared of being having to pay a parking ticket uh but spike is on the trail of the real pirates um and they're um as, as spike like starts chasing these guys miles starts picking up the chatter between jet and spike over their like yeah. weird uh old wave frequency communicator yeah, just some. Just he's just got his ham radio on or whatever truckers that used to talk to each other, which is actually funny because we've already seen literal truckers, space truckers talking yeah. via radio. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, so we we see uh, Miles can overhear this, but Spike is going after the pirates and he's dodging a few of these um, blasts and the hooks that they're shooting out at him. But eventually, they finally hook him, and as soon as that happens, he like cuts his mono system. I don't know what that is, but they made reference to it earlier. Miles did, um, but they cut the mono system, and then they're able. to to send the hook back at the pirates yeah um, i don't i don't did not understand anything that was happening here <laughs> i think it's like okay we've sh- we've shut down spike's system and that has caused the pirate system to shut down because it was sent back at them but now they're both plummeting through space yeah so spike's ship is is out of control uh the pirate ship is out of control um jet kind of brings in the the hammerhead uh from like above uh, trying to like pick up Spike, but of course they the pirates see this and they shoot even more virus harpoons at, at Jet. So Spike has to like take the shot, um, and then <clears throat> we go back over to Earth and Miles is like, "Hey Duhan, you probably should listen to this baseball game that I'm listening to because this guy's about to get a homer." No, I'm kidding. It's your friend Spike and he's in trouble. Um, <laughs> and uh, Duhan decides he's going to take his old hunk of junk out and he's going to uh, save Spike. Uh, unfortunately, because of the way that the gravity works, Jet can't get to Spike uh, on a good course. and uh, He can, but it's going to take him seven hours to do so, to rendezvous with yeah, him. Yeah, he has to loop back around so that the gravity doesn't like fuck them up and th- toss them back down to Earth. And Because, um, yeah, they're basically like in Earth's orbit right now, so they gotta, they got to play it cool. I won't, won't pretend to understand that. Um, so Spike is like, all right, well, that's fine. And then he runs out of fuel. <laughs> and without fuel, he can't just like hang out. So um, he lights a cigarette, radios um, Jet, and is like, hey, by the way, I have some whiskey hidden behind the fridge or whatever it is. Uh, and the fact that he was willing to give up some secret like that, Jet is like, wait, what? <laughs> Are you going to happened? What's happening? What's, what went wrong? <laughs> you mentioned so he's uh, like, yeah, I'm out Spike. Of fuel, so. 
Spike uh, lighted a cigarette in the very beginning of the episode. It just he was like stranded in the desert next to his fucked up ship, and just like had there was a huge amount of cigarettes in the sand beside him. Like this dude is just sitting out here with no water, chain smoking, and I was like, God damn, dude! Like that's not that. Ooh, as a as a, a former smoker, like boy, you cannot do that. It can't be good. It can't be good. Um, yeah, doesn't he say something about like how like easy come, easy go? Like or it is what it is. Whatever. He's just like I'm gonna die. He he is resigned to death so quickly um and this is not going to be the, the the last time that he resigns himself to death which i think is very funny um <laughs> duhan uh gets on the radio and says i'm gonna go get spike uh i'm gonna come get you dude don't worry about it and uh out of his hangar comes this old nasa ship uh another fun fact yes. from, the, from the wikipedia um this was originally the space shuttle columbia um but after the columbia ship was crashed um which was it was destroyed on re-entry they actually uh banned this episode um huh because because of that like they didn't want to show like the ship being whatevered um same thing that they did with a lot of 9-11 stuff uh um, Mm -hmm. but when the remix collection came out uh they changed the name of the shuttle to the challenger uh which was for, I don't know why they changed it to Challenger because that was also destroyed during a flight yeah. way earlier. Well, so they, who knows? Uh, yeah, I guess there was enough distance between that one. Yeah, I guess so. We're, it was not too soon to fly the Challenger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess. Um, but yeah, but, it, this is just like an old ass rocket ship. Like this is what you picture when you picture a rocket ship. Yeah, it's and it's huge too. And uh, so they yeah. and I love I love that they like have it strapped down, and so they're like cranking up the thrust and then they're gonna like let go of the straps or the hooks or whatever so that they start shooting off and Mm -hmm. it's actually got like what looks like uh rocket propellers on the side pointed downwards that will actually give it lift up like i like all of this like this is very very cool looking to me like it's not super sci-fi and fancy but like it's dope like this is a fucking nasa ship like flying into fucking space that's why it's cool yeah (laughs) this is cool because it's not sci-fi and fantasy it's just mad like mechanical (laughs) And, <laughs> just earthy and like it's like he's shooting a slingshot except it's a rocket ship and even though like on the inside because uh miles has chosen to come with him uh and miles is extremely excited about it but uh, like they're they're pulling like way more g's than we have seen anybody pull in a spaceship before right like this they look like cemented yeah. to the, the back of their chairs i really like the the these moments between um these two here because before that there you know miles was suspect you know, he didn't really trust him, and he's like, this just new kid. He, I think Spike made a comment about how he's like, oh, all your assistants leave because you're too hard on him all the time. But now they're riding up there, and he's like, Miles, you're a real one. You're a real one now. Like, <laughs> you're you, a real you're one. ride or die. <laughs> Thank you're you for coming to save me. Like... <laughs> and he even says something about, like, he was, um, Miles was, was scared to fly, but now he's actually doing it, and he's, like, so excited. And it's just this really small character moment that I really liked. <laughs> For a character, we'll, I'm guessing that we'll never see again, considering this feels no, this has all the we'll trappings of we'll never of a see one him again. <laughs> yeah, this definitely feels yeah. like a one-off episode. Um, Duhon tells Spike to to start decelerating and to um, stay at a certain angle, otherwise he's going to burn up and, and reentry or um, or not be able to escape the gravitational pull. This is when Spike carves the uh, like the altitude um symbol onto his windshield so that he can actually kind of measure his altitude but before that happens his uh some more parts of his ship start falling off and he and he starts yeah, literally oops. falling um and then there's this sequence where he's like almost definitely like angling the ship so that it clips off 
so like debris is clipping off the wings of the shortfish and leaving just yeah. kind of this thin yeah. tube. And then uh, Miles and Duhan have angled this the, the, the spaceship and opened the bay so that he just kind of just drops into the spaceship like a, like a perfect fucking swish. <laughs> like, it's so good. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Um, it's, this is, this isn't a Kobe and one for sure. This is uh, Kobe! <laughs> he, um, Kobe. Uh, except he just broke off the wings of his uh, plane, whatever, and yeah, landed the, the, in a the, spaceship. The plane that he had just recently gotten fixed and presumably paid a lot of money yeah, for. Yeah, this is going to have to be completely, like, re- re- repaired again. It, it's a nightmare. And then, uh, because everything about space travel is scary and terrifying. Um, the Duhan informs them that the heat shields are gone and the landing gear is bad. Uh, Miles starts <laughs> freaking the hell out, but Spike, because he is cooler than everything and everyone in the room, uh, just lights up another cigarette and is like, whatever happens, happens. And then... Uh, yeah, yeah, this is what I was thinking earlier. This is this what he just says. That. <laughs> just, just chilled the fuck out about like this potential death situation. because, And I like this because there's literally nothing he can do about it. Like This is a good attitude yeah. to have. Like I can't affect any change on this, so why bother worrying? Like I'm just going to enjoy my cigarette until I crash and burn into the earth. Um, yeah, he just he can't be bothered. Um about things that he can't control, Spike is not, he's not going to make a fuss about it. If, he, if it's in his power to stop something or save somebody or save himself, yeah, he'll do it. But right now, he can't, he can't do shit, so might as well just chill. Uh, and then it just cuts to see Space Cowboy. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> well, we do get one last scene at the junkyard uh, where we go back to our, our, oh, yeah, our wall of right. memories. And we see a picture of Duhon and Miles and of extremely bored-looking uh, Spike like next to a, a crash-landed NASA ship that's obviously, they obviously managed to <laughs> land safely. So our heroes are not dead. They they managed to survive one way or the other. But yeah, that's the end of the episode. It goes to see you, Space Cowboy. And uh, I'll be honest with you, they we're we're obviously going to talk about the next episode. The uh, the previews work for me normally. Like they, there's usually some mm-hmm. like clever dialogue or whatever. Um, this one is just like this insane person like shooting and cackling at Spike for like 40 seconds. And it's a really good setup. Like I got real excited too. Yeah. I think I even texted it's, you about it. I was like, man, this looks did. great. <laughs> <laughs> it's some good shit. It gets you hyped for it. Um, I really quick before we move on to that, I like the end of this episode. I'm just thinking of this now. For some reason, as I'm talking about it, I have a real affection for Miles. Uh, just this kid out in the desert working with an old man fixing old ships that he shouldn't care about listening to baseball games. There's something real American about him you know what i mean and, it does uh, i just it does I feel like, very americana yeah i get you i i like that he this picture of him and spike and do uh, they that's gonna be a memory for for miles that's gonna be on his wall when he's an old man and something about that is just very sweet to me very like you know he's gonna say oh remember when for that i mean we're never gonna see this character again he doesn't exist he's not gonna become an old man he's a cartoon character but i like that idea i like the idea of this character growing old and having this memory with this badass guy spike and all this and just the rest of his life will probably be totally normal but just something about that is it's just cool to me
the next session is Pierrot. Oh, wow, no, that's not how you say that. I was, I was, I had it in my head Perot. too. It's Perot Lefou. This yeah. aired on March thirteenth, nineteen ninety nine. Uh, written by Sadayuki Borai. Spike witnesses a homicide by a deranged serial killer who then it goes after him with a full barrage of weapons. Um, right out of the gate we start this episode and like I don't have a lot of experience with Batman the animated series like I've just seen episodes over the years I've never sat down and done a full rewatch or any or full watch or anything um, but boy boy does this give me some Batman the, the animated series vibes yeah, <laughs> like it's sure. it's very gothic uh, all of the signs are in French but like it's a very much what, what like a, a dark Gotham City looks like in like most Batman media like it's it's really cool looking Absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, it, it gives us a different vibe than we've ever had in Bebop, which is super cool. And I wonder if it was intentionally channeling the animated series, um, Batman. Uh, I don't know if they were contemporary to each other. I did watch um, Batman when I was when I was a youngster, but that must have been earlier 90s, I guess. Yeah, it definitely was earlier than than this. Um, and like the this our our main character here, Pierre Lefou, is going to be like he feels very much like an amalgam of Batman villains to me. Like he's got like the the, the look and the vibe of the ping of the penguin, but his like maniacal laughter is very Joker esque. Like it, it's just mm-hmm. uh, this whole thing feels like almost a homage to a to a Batman episode. Yeah, it's it's got to be. But it, regardless, it's super cool. Yes, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> the title is actually a reference to, if you can believe that, to like a 1965 <laughs> film. Uh, of course, which, of course. Uh, which is about uh, a sad clown. It's like a French New Wave movie about a sad clown, which I think is pretty hilarious. Of f- fucking course, yeah. yeah. Works out real well. So we see our main character. I mentioned a penguin vibe. He's he's very much got super skinny legs. He's got a real round body. He's got a crazy hat and like a ruffled collar. Uh, he's walking with a cane. Um, he looks extremely creepy. As we get some some glimpses of him, uh, kind of walking down the street, we also see these this car pull up with these uniformed guys get out and like uh, very obviously protecting this dude who's about to get into the car. Um, yeah. And our guy comes up, Pierre comes up, and he says, I journeyed here to take your lives. And then <laughs> just literally starts, like, <laughs> shooting yeah. these people. It's really cool. Like, I, I like this guy a lot, Chris. Yeah, he just, uh, he, he strikes a very terrifying figure. The first time that we see him, it's just his shadow stretched out in front of him. And then it does a first person, like, run up the side of a building. Because yeah. he doesn't just walk around. He twirls and he kind of floats and jumps through the air. It's like he can fly. He, he can't fly. Um but the way he moves around is so, um, you know, I was describing Ed in the, in our Discord earlier about how she's so anime, meaning she's so animated, and, like, that wouldn't translate to live action because it, it's the joy of animation is that they can do all these crazy, wacky things, and that's what they're doing here. This is just animation where this character can do these uh, unnatural things and have them look like they make sense even though it unsettles you to see them it's it's just really cool and yeah he's just uh he's just really unloading he's just really killing some some dudes here and, and it's it's notable too because we have not really seen characters with these kind of abilities before right like we've seen some stuff um like we saw that one kid who you know was however many years mm-hmm. old and had some some weird stuff going on with him but like we haven't really seen anybody like flying around and like kind of seemingly like impossible acts like this uh so it's it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a a strange turn and it's one that i was kind of here for like i was ready for something like this by the time we get to episode 20 
Um, Spike Definitely. is playing pool. He's he's sinking some sick fucking bank shots. I love it. Yeah. Corner shots. Um, he's he gets done and You're he like, walks hey, out. What's something that could make Spike cooler? Uh, playing pool, being yeah. really good like, at pool, some whiskey? like casually yeah. by himself, like the fucking uh-huh. fucking Spike, man. Fucking Spike. like they're not playing for money because there's that other dude who's there and who like who loses when Spike owns him, and the guy just like kind of like smirks and nods and walks away, and then like Spike like half lifts his drink like in you know salute to him or whatever. It's just this tiny little subtle thing, and it's like why. Like what? What gives you the right to be this fucking cool? You don't. You don't. You don't. Did, did you? Do you have a permission? Let me see your doctor's note to be this me, cool. I need. On, to, I need to see on. your permission slip for this. Because a character who's this cool should suck, right? Like anybody who's written to be the ultimate cool guy, like isn't cool ever. Yeah. But Spike is cool as fuck. <laughs> they do. They do make Spike seem completely effortless at being cool, which is like the the yeah. really hard thing to to do is like to make it seem like you're not trying to be cool at all. Um, something that I've never learned in my life. I feel like I'm trying too hard Absolutely all of the time. Not. I, yeah, yeah. Even, every I every single time I've that. ever made a joke, I'm like, oh yeah, that, that was me. That was me just trying to trying to be friendly, <laughs> trying to be a cool guy, not uh, working. Um, uh, <laughs> so Spike walks out and he kind of sees the end of this and like. This is just a classic example of, of Spike just like wandering into these weird situations. And uh, this dude just like starts immediately shooting at Spike. Uh, and, yeah. and Spike, you no know, he's, he's, he's no slouch. So he like he jumps behind some cover and starts returning fire and actually lands two shots to this dude's chest. But we see this like weird green energy field like pop the bullets back. Um, yeah. so, and, like, and this dude is just like maniacally laughing the entire fucking time. Yeah, he's laughing. He's like bouncing unnaturally. Um, he he looks like he'd be like a rubber like beach ball bouncing off the ground when a, a beach ball bounces slowly, but he bounces with with intention. Yeah, uh, he is just railing off a of shit. Uh, and they're shooting, and then he gets up close to Spike, and he's doing like hand to hand combat with him. But then he starts to juggle Spike in the air, like making him do these like really slow flips as like gravity takes its like hold on Spike, and then kicks him up again further. He's it's like juggling a character in a fighting game. Uh, and we're just seeing like the silhouettes of shadow against this, and that's the other thing. This episode is all about light and shadow. Those heavy, heavy, like noir shadows against the walls and shit. It's so good. Yeah, it's this the the juggling scene it specifically is is just so like it's such a simple thing, and I'm sure it was extremely hard to accomplish. But it, you know, a lot of times art is one of some of these things to. It's extraordinarily difficult to make something look so simple, and it's just really gorgeous. And it, because of uh, Pierre Perot, oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> you got it. It's pro. You got it. <laughs> Uh, because of this dude's weird uh, like movement, <laughs> it like it just looks strange and kind of beautiful at the same time. Uh, mm-hmm. It's so fluid. It's really yeah. cool. <clears throat> Spike ends up landing on his back, and uh, this guy points his cane, which of course is also a gun, at him. And then starts gritting his teeth. We're going to get a lot of up-close shots of this dude's like weird face that's kind of half-covered with a mask, uh, gritting his teeth a whole lot. Um, but luckily, off out of this alley, uh, a cat shows up and starts meowing. And this dude is like, fuck this cat forever. <laughs> I hate this fucking cat. Yeah. Uh, and starts yeah. shooting at the cat instead of Spike. Uh, and Spike... And one of my favorite moves of this episode goes around the corner and returns with a barrel full of gasoline, like literally colored red, <laughs> like it was a video game. Might as well have the word Acme written on it for all for all we know where it came from. Rolls it over to this dude and shoots it, uh, causing this huge explosion uh, that he has to run away from. And of course, the blast catches him and slams him against the wall across the across the street. And it's uh, this this the the, the image of because they pull way back and show you kind of the the city. Uh, landscape 
or silhouette in, from on high, and you can see these flames like just exploding mm-hmm. into the air with this like um, orange color that's just so it contrasts so it's it's just beautiful. Like it's just it looks so it's really really good. beautiful. And despite the density of this city, it is like it's there's silent. There's no other light. There's nobody else around. It's just this like darkness with the with the fire, the explosion, and this really intense. Not intense. That's the wrong word, but prominent music that's just sort of building and building and getting creepier and creepier as it goes it's like this whining that's just building as all of this is happening it's not like bombastic fun jazz like we always get in these these moments and it's not the melancholic stuff that we get it's just creepy and spike is like trying to recover from from getting knocked against the wall when this dude just basically steps out of the flames uh so he he tries to run away and uh Perot throws a knife and gets and gets Spike in like the arm and then like shows up and Spike is kind of trapped like he's run away but he's got this like uh, canal in front of him or this with this weird river thing and uh, Perot like opens up his 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 jacket and there's just hundreds of fucking guns <laughs> like just lining yeah. like he's like selling watches on like an old 1980s movie yeah. based in New York or something um, and it's like it's this is probably especially with the knife throw when it when it actually hits Spike like I was like holy shit. Like we've never seen Spike in this much trouble. Like it's never been this bad. Like this looks this looks intense, and I'm kind of worried about my dude. And and Spike has not spoken a word in, during any of this. It's like silent. I mean, obviously he's laughing maniacally. Perot is laughing maniacally. And there's the sounds of the action, and there's the sound of this whirling, creepy music that's building. But Spike's not saying anything. There's no dialogue exchanged between these characters, and it makes it so unsettling because it just came out of nowhere this has just been this episode so far i mean we're only like what two minutes into this episode but it feels like so much intensity <laughs> yeah. has happened it's a and it lot felt like in and of itself it felt like an explosion because they paused for that brief instant to show spike in a silent dark room playing pool again silently there's no like chatter of other people at the bar it's just quiet and cool and relaxed and then it he steps out into this like shadow soaked nightmare that's out there because there's shadow i don't know what the hell fucking shadow soaked is but that came out of my shadow mouth. soak that's um, good yeah yeah that's my new fantasy series that i'm writing <laughs> shadow the, uh, shadow the, soak know, an the- elf bringer novel <laughs> yes yes I'm changing the name of my novel to that shadow so Jesus Christ. But the um the the lights the lights of like the headlights of the car and the street lights are so bright and white and then the shadows are so intense next to it. It's just it gives off this awesome vibe and it's feels like a straight horror movie. Like it feels like Spike's gonna die. Like that just seems like the only possible outcome here. Absolutely. Yeah, this this definitely feels like uh this is the first time I've ever felt like Spike was in a I mean, we've seen him like in trouble before, but he always seemed to like kind of have control over the situation, or at least control, or like be able to resist in a comparable way. This feels like he is being drastically overwhelmed from like the moment from the word go, which is really intense. As the as a viewer who was seeing this for the first time, how do you think you would have felt if you watched this and then that like Spike bit the dust and that was it, and like then it's this this the rest of the series is the rest of the Bebop crew. Like, could you even imagine something like that happening? Was there any any part of you that at all believed that that could happen? No, no. I, I mean, like, you know, the show's old. 
<laughs> like I've seen, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the show is like 20 years old at this yeah. point. Like, okay, yeah. and Spike Fair. is the main character. Like it's, it's the first time that I felt like the show has done a good job of not, not to say that the show has done a bad job, but like, it's the first time that I felt like he's met a, an opponent that was so overwhelming. And I, I didn't, I genuinely didn't know like what the resolution on this was going to be because he seemed right. so right. outgunned and seemed so uh, underpowered in comparison. Cause um, even with vicious, who was our main villain, it feels like, uh, Spike and Vicious are on even footing in in their battles, and that's what makes those moments so um, powerful. Is that they they are kind of two sides of the same coin, but this guy's just like an absolute madman. Yeah, that moment um, when in the rain is playing and Spike and Vicious are fighting in front of the giant stained glass window, like they are hand to hand with one another and end up in kind of a stalemate. Whereas this ends with Spike, his you know he's backed into this like his his back is against the this canal thing, and the dude is throwing like grenades at him and exploding the place all over. So that's and Spike has to dive into the water and get away, um, which yeah. is crazy time. Like that's like we just haven't seen that that kind of stuff happen. So. The hell of an piece. opening scene jesus hell of an <laughs> we, opening scene. we just hell spent like 20 scene. minutes on like the first five minutes of this <laughs> episode <laughs> the uh the spike and vicious stuff is so it's almost like more of a battle of like philosophies or like battle of wills even though when they're they're physically fighting and shooting and stabbing at each other it, it's it's a battle between like the souls of two men you know this is a pure physical altercation and it is violent and it is scary uh and then yeah he finally escapes and it's like all right catch your breath here we go <laughs> and we go over to jet uh jet is is meeting with one of his old police contacts who tells him that spike has run into some uh very bad luck and this is where we finally get our our name as the, the mad perot um it, it just like this guy is a is a hired killer to kill uh who's been set out killing uh the heads of various crime families, but like none of the crime family, like they, they don't want anybody to know because they're so terrified of this dude. Um, and then back on the bebop, we see spike who is like all wrapped up in bandages uh, to the point where he can't speak on uh, laying down on the couch. And uh, Faye just constantly dragging the guy, which I really like. She tells him that it's his, his bad behavior that keeps getting him in this, in this, in these kind of dust ups and these kind of trouble. And I'm like, dude, she was just playing pool. He was just playing some yeah, pool. Yeah, he was having a good time. Yeah. And then, uh, um, as she, and as she's talking, she's like peeling an orange. And when she gets up to leave, she just drops the orange peel on his head. He was trying to eat. He was reaching for it to try and eat. And she picks it up and starts peeling it. And then she just eats it, drops the orange peel on him. <laughs> and she's just making fun of him. Cause like they were in this situation before at the end of episode five, and he's literally wrapped in bandages laying on the couch. She's like, dude, come on. Um, part of me was wondering, I was like, is this like the beginnings of Faye almost acting like she cares about Spike? Like she's in the room talking to him. She drops an orange peel on his face because she's Faye. But I was like, does she give a shit about her yeah. crewmate here? It, you know, it starts to kind of give off that vibe a little bit. And I'm not saying like romantic interest. I'm just saying, I think she cares a little bit that he's get, keeps getting himself in trouble. Exactly. Yeah. Um, well, we go back over to Jet, who is learning more about Mad Perot. Um, and then as this cop is, like, telling us information about him, like, we see him stalking another, like, crime lord dude uh, to the point where... Yeah, he's, he's been sh- killing um, uh, high-level ISP, ISSP members, like, like cops, basically. Like these Oh, super- okay. I, I didn't... I got... I didn't I didn't connect that acronym. So that's, that's the, I just like, high-level cops. Both. That, okay, cool. <laughs> That makes sense. Okay, yeah. I just um, I just assumed it was both because um, he's killing all these like high profile people, um, and but yeah, he's like yeah, this is this is Mad Pro is the the perfect killing machine, and he's been doing some uh, pretty bad shit. 
and yeah, he's as and we actually see like him roll up to this dude, and all of the bodyguards just pass out with terror, and then this dude like gets yeah. like stuck on in, into a fence, and I, I know that doesn't make any sense, but just like try to picture someone like into a chain link fence and like bleeding all over, like it looks vicious. It's gruesome, yeah. Um, and this is where uh, Jet's pal reveals, like, yeah, once he sees your face, like, that's it for you. So your 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 buddy Spike, he's doomed because there's just no getting away from this. And we go back over to the Bebop where uh, Ayn, who was just chilling out, um, <laughs> he's sitting next to like this message thing and it starts beeping. So uh, he goes and carries it to Ed, finding her just asleep in the middle of the hallway, and. Um, Ed goes to find Fei Fei, as she's calling Fei nowadays, to tell her uh, about mm-hmm. this alarm. Fei is smoking in the bathroom, and uh, it, I find that really hilarious. I just like Fei Fei is a really good name for Fei. Mm-hmm. And she's like, just Fei, just one. And then she's like, Fei Fei. And she's like, all right, goddammit, what? What do you want? I love, I love Ed in this episode. Like she, she, she gets some really cool stuff later on in the episode. But like, just the weird bit of uh, like humor that undercuts that everything that's happening in this episode with ed is just is it's it's very much needed in this episode and it works really well the humor is 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 much needed and it works well but it also kind of like keeps you on your toes a little bit like it keeps you just unsure because the shift in the balance like i think they just do such a good job playing with those with those different tones and still having it feel consistent and feel like as part of the same thing um but yeah, Faye looks at the email, essentially, that came through, and it says, you're invited to a wonderful party, um, and it's obviously, it's from Perot, and Faye is immediately like, alright, we're not gonna tell Spike about this, because then he's gonna go run off, and he's gonna go deal with it all, and Spike, much like, again, Sam Winchester right around the corner, like, hey, I'm on the, I'm, bas- I'm, I'm reading that email, too, I'm right here, you can't, uh, <laughs> you can't hide this from me. Um, and of and course, he says like, something really dramatic. He says, maybe this is the one. The one I won't come back from. The end. Just kidding. <laughs> it's like, what? Spike, what? Spike, what are you doing? Like, don't don't freak us like, out that way, man. who are you? Yeah. What are you doing? Um, and he just takes off because he's he's Spike. Um, Jet calls in and talks to, to Ed and finds out that Spike has gone to Spaceland. Um, and then sure enough, we see Spike kind of land in Spaceland, which is this uh, amusement park on Mars. It looks like it's built into the top of a mountain that's been cut off, like the peaks have been cut off, and then they just built it into this thing. Um, it looks, it's all dark, and it looks abandoned, and it's, as, as any kind of, like, non-functioning theme park is, it's extremely creepy. Like, it's got all of these, like, weirdly <laughs> yeah. exaggerated a- animatronic animals, and, like, it just, it just looks scary as hell. Yeah, this is like the, the like Five Nights at Freddy's vibe um, that is popular with the kids. Cowboy Bebop what's, did it first. What's what's that? I don't. I don't. Do you not know what uh, Five Nights at Freddy's is? Really? <laughs> I, I am culturally aware of it. I refuse to partake. <laughs> I just, I just, I don't want to I mean, have that knowledge. I, <laughs> I have also not partook, but it's creepy animatronics. Good to know. Good to know. Also, still don't know what the Harlem Shake is, so I'm I'm pretty good. Uh, I think you just kind of shake your uh, your bum around a little bit. Oh, that's just that's just me. That's just me on a Friday night, man. What is? What that's is, just me on a Friday night. Amen, brother. What, Amen. what is? I should get two million YouTube views if it's just if it's just <laughs> I what know. I do on a Friday night. I don't understand. I, I don't um, know. <laughs> Spike gets out of his plane and kind of goes into this amusement park, passing by like all of these creepy arcade machines and a carousel and all this stuff. <clears throat> Eventually. Um, 
he stops and all of the lights flare up and of course it's Perot and he says let's party and then everything turns on all at once and then Perot just immediately starts shooting at Spike and for like the next 10 minutes this is basically just a chase scene of of Perot yeah, trying yeah. to kill Spike and Spike running away from him and just getting like dragged through this amusement park and the the rides and the animatronics like at one point like basically goofy a giant goofy like the Disney <laughs> character pops up yeah. and Spike not only does he shoot it a bunch of times but then he does fucking martial arts on it so he does he kicks the shit out of it over. <laughs> I like guess once, he's really mad at Kingdom um, Hearts Kingdom Hearts yeah yeah once he is uh he's finished shooting it he is now recognized that's not pro that's an animatronic thing but he's still like i'm gonna fuck this thing up <laughs> i am going to fuck this thing up i do not care about it um he also like dives into this building and when he goes through the door it turns into like a weird like iceland with these high-speed penguins running out run- yeah, like, yeah. not running after him but like sliding down this ramp and like he almost hitting him and then there's this weird fairy who's like you shouldn't be here you shouldn't be here and i'm like shut up navi we don't we don't need your help <laughs> yeah, um, need this shit. that's what i was wondering like is this supposed to be like a mario and a um zelda reference because that thing's like navi and then the, this is like the penguin ice level from mario 64 yeah um, it I, I, might I, just I, be a coincidence it could be a coincidence but it feels it feels very much like I, f- I feel like they pulled in like a lot of pop culture for all of this um animatronic business for all of this theme park stuff because it feels very yeah. nintendo and disney and looney tunes it feels like all of that you know and if you read the tagline that's sometimes visible in the you know when like halfway through the episode when it cuts to that screen this is cowboy bebop some mm-hmm. of the them has like words in the background and it says something about like a new style that would revolutionize blah 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 it's it's a, like a tagline that is on a lot of stuff that's talking about bebop the style of music um but it's it's with a lot of the promotional stuff you can see it in the background you can't always read clearly what it says but it talks about f- infusing all of these different styles and and references within the music that's what it means but it's almost like that's kind of what bebop is it's taking style and reference from so many other things things and putting it into the show and i mean i kind of just never noticed a lot of those things i just wasn't aware i didn't look at the wikipedia but like the more that you bring them up the more i think that that is part of like the spirit of the show is how it took so much from everything around it and like referenced it because that's sort of what everything is <laughs> like everything exactly, is referencing yeah. other things and, and cowboy bebop is like deliberately doing it while still being extremely cool i don't know um if it's still going it's been years since i've seen it but there was a uh... There was a video series called I think I think it was called Everything Is Everything, which was which would track like pop culture references and and homages through various bits of media. That was really really That's interesting cool. and, and cool. I'll see if I can pull up a link to that and put that in the in the non-existent show notes because this is a Patreon episode. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, while all of this is happening, Ed has or excuse me, Jet has Ed hacking into Section Thirteen so that they can find out more about Perot. Um, eventually spike gets chased onto a roller coaster and uh eventually gets knocked out of the car onto the tracks which <laughs> pro like uses a whip which we have never seen yeah. before which is very crazy Simon grab that dude Belmont by the neck it's like, fucking crazy man this dude's yeah. got tricks that's all i'm saying he's got a lot of shinobi tools <laughs> in his box uh, he has, yeah he has all the prosthetics just to instantly date when we're recording this podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of um, course. <laughs> eventually, uh, Pro blows up the tracks and, and uh, Spike falls into the water below. Uh, and this is when Ed finally is ma- manages to crack uh, Section 13 and we get the origin story in this scene that's... Uh, a, it's a, The soundtrack is a, is a cover of um, 
Runaway Train, I think, by uh, Pink mm-hmm. Floyd uh, from Dark Side of the Moon. I think it's uh, no on the run, not Runaway Train. It's not a Soul Asylum song. <laughs> Runaway Train. Never mind. Let's not go over that. <laughs> um, it, but it's this like it starts out as like kind of a slow electronic, um, like creeping, and it kind of just builds up over yeah. time. And we see these this crazy imagery. We see this guy sitting in this like bright white cube. Um, and he's got wires connected to his body and we see like all of this crazy like science stuff being done to him we see needles going into his body we see like things being injected into his cells uh, we see him uh, on a on a treadmill like trying to run fast we see people literally shooting him from pl- point blank range and we see that green energy shield that we see we saw earlier yeah um, and almost everything in all these is just completely washed out and, and white basically the, the, the color scheme is like the complete opposite of what we've seen throughout this episode like the shadows the heavy heavy shadows are gone um it's almost like those are the things that were inside of this man that are now spilling out of him throughout the rest of this episode but right here it's everything is completely sterile and whitewashed and and just like the opposite of what we've seen so far and throughout all of this horror that this man is has inflicted on him um there's a observation window and through this window he can see a cat and this cat has kind of strange multicolored eyes and so while he's being tortured he's also being forced to look at this this cat this innocuous cat that's just chilling there uh which may explain some of his behavior from earlier when he just literally shot up a cat real quick and did not yeah. and kind of went crazy a- at the sight of it something about that eye is going to come up uh, at the end of this as well which is i totally didn't realize until this time watching it but uh yeah yeah th- we just get this this montage i don't know if he was somebody who was like mentally ill before these things were done to him and then they took advantage of him they did experiments on him for that reason or if it was just that these experiments broke him down and turned him into what he is and we see we hear a robotic voice basically saying like we were we were trying this assassination experiment um, it has a code name, I think like Tongpu or Tangpu, something like that. Um, but they're yeah. going to cancel the, the experiment because he, it, it broke this dude's mind and they're just going to permanently quarantine him. And then we see him in a hallway with like two big classic, like typical jail cell uniform guys, like leading <laughs> him down a hallway and, um, he stops and you can see him like smile. And then we smash cut to just bodies all over this jail cell just dead in the ground yeah. and jet and jet says and this his, is where we see we, we see the, the 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 red like the dark red blood on that stark white everywhere yeah. now and it's such a a cutting image when you see it it's it's just it's stark the contrast is really stark and it's just it the not seeing the violence but seeing the aftermath is, is is extremely powerful in its own way and it's like oh my god what the fuck did this dude do and jet says his his mind is starting to regress so he's he's becoming almost childlike uh but so he's basically a child with these crazy superhuman abilities and jet says and really there's nothing more pure and cruel than a child and uh as we as he's saying that we switch back over to spike who's like crawling out of this water and pro just immediately starts shooting him with like actual missiles and shit it's fucking crazy like yeah. he's going over the top it's, to it's try to insane. kill this cool to kill spike um which i i, and, I like a uh, whole lot bi- yeah same a big surprise Faye shows up uh because this is something that she would not have gotten involved with 10 episodes ago she would have been like sorry <laughs> hope you don't die bye Um, see you later yeah she shows up in in her ship and she like unloads but it doesn't it doesn't do any good (laughs) no no in fact it um 
Perot, who's on the ground, like shoots the walls around her and literally has them fall into her ship. So she crashes, and like one of the animatronic like things that comes out and is like, "Hello, hello, hello." Yeah. <laughs> Faye's like, "All right, dude, get the fuck away from me. I'm done. With, I'm done with yeah, you." Please. Uh, because of this, Spike is knocked through like this plate glass window, and when Perot walks over, um, Spike had knocked over this mechanical cat, and uh, when it starts meowing, it sends him into a rage, and he starts like shooting it. And uh, then he shoots the gun out of Spike's hand, and, and Spike is kind of at his mercy. And we get this great shot of Perot on the left of the screen, Spike on the right, unarmed, and uh, this like parade procession <laughs> coming through, like a float of all of these animatronic, yeah. like going towards the camera, like in between these two. So they're just standing st- completely still and staring across this this float from one another. And it's again like going back to the colors like everything is dark except for like the top of the screen which is really brightly lit with all of these animatronics and it's just it's just really great looking like it's just it's it's very impressive it is a it's a very cool scene um and spike is slowly like reaching behind him for a knife that he has hidden um and this is the part that referenced back to the cat that i'd never noticed before because there's a gleam of light and it hits spike's fake eye um and it's that gleam looks exactly like the cat's eye and i don't know if it's because his fake eye looks like a cat's eye or if that cat also had a fake eye but the cat like you said had unique weird looking eyes um but there's there's that same gleam and it sends the uh it sends perot like into another like bout of kind of like mania um because it it has it's triggered that memory in him and that's when spike takes the opportunity to um throw the knife and he hits perot in the leg um takes a, like a glancing shot to the shoulder at the same time that happens but when the knife hits Perot, he just he screams and then starts crying for his mom um and while that's happening he gets crushed by these marching animatronics yeah it's uh it was kind of a surprise ending for me and um like once he gets stabbed obviously he's been this superhuman killing machine for so long that you know, he, he has not been hurt, right? Like he probably has never felt pain. Mm-hmm. So once this knife gets him and he starts collapsing, he doesn't know how to handle this, this new sensation that he's going through. And he literally starts crying for his mom. It turns them from this, this over the top killing machine to this very pitiful creature that was created by man. And was basically not in control of himself, um, right. which is a really good trick to do with a guy that you've had laughing maniac- maniacally and bouncing all over the place, flying around and shooting missiles at our main yeah. character to make me literally sympathize with them in like the like a quarter of a second turn like that's fucking crazy um and then yeah like this when they when this giant dog just literally steps on him i was like okay i guess that's one way to end this episode and to fix this problem yeah yeah and it's such a, it ends in such a bebop way because uh jet calls um and he goes spike we figured out who he is um or what he is and spike's response is just like forget it I don't need it anymore. And then he hangs up and he goes, man, I hate theme parks. Uh, it's just like he, Spike's not curious to find out who this guy was. He's just like, forget it. It's already dealt with. Like, it's over. It doesn't matter. Um, and it's just it's just such an interesting way to suddenly end such a dynamic and like intense episode. It, it really is like it's it it's almost feels anticlimactic in some way. Um, mm-hmm. Because we get our big standoff, and our you know we have that that moment where the standoff snaps, and like they both one fires and one throws the knife, and then but the aftermath, like the like 
you're you're kind of waiting to see what's going to happen. And when he turns into again this pitiful creature, and then is just stepped on by a giant <laughs> giant dog robot, like it's it's such a weird like you, you you're kind of left just like oh like this is just this is just messy. Like, this is just like, it doesn't like there was, yeah. you didn't do anything here. Like this was all an accident and it didn't mean anything. And it's, it's, it was kind of all for naught. It's just sort of like random chaos. And it's like almost that's, that's what was inflicted upon this dude who suffered so much and became this thing. It was just this chaos inflicted on him that they decided, Oh, you know what? This is a failure. We don't, we don't want to deal with it anymore. Um, and so he took his revenge and it's not like spike can really, get revenge on this guy like he doesn't haven't he doesn't know him he doesn't have any stake in any of this he's just drawn to it the way he's always drawn to things uh and when it's over it's just whatever it's over it's not going to be a problem anymore and it's such a there's 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 an interesting philosophy behind the way that things happen in cowboy bebop and you know a lot of it is easy come easy go that's you know one of the taglines that they've used in the past and it's just an interesting kind of i don't know theme that they that they throw even onto crazy madmen like this there's just this sort of like whatever happens happens kind of vibe to it all weird i uh it's very I, weird I, as somebody who knows spike a little bit better than i do as someone who's who's watched a lot of these episodes uh several times what is the what is his drive for uh getting this invitation to this quote-unquote party and then and going out to a planet by himself armed with a gun and that's really it to, to confront this madman like what is this just spike like i know this dude is going to never stop trying to kill me so i'm just going to go confront it or is there is there something more there that's part of it but i think the joke thing that he said to Faye is kind of part of it where he says maybe this is the one the one i won't come back from the end and then he says just kidding um but i think that Spike earlier in the season um, or earlier in the series rather he discusses how he died and he came back and now he has this one eye that um, is a reminder of that past and all this and we don't really know everything that happened with Spike we don't know what he's talking about whether if he's being literal or he's just being dramatic whatever but I think that he is often going to confront death because Spike himself is almost like a cat with nine lives. He's always in these situations and he's always having these brushes with death. And it's always, you know, in the last episode when he says whatever happens, happens, he lights a cigarette. He's like, I'm just going to chill out and see what happens. I think that he is somebody who he's not looking to die, but he's just trying to see like, when will it end like this? I think Spike sees himself as somebody who shouldn't be alive or who maybe like, yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't want to say he sees himself as a ghost or anything like that. But I think that there is a part of him that wants to confront death as it comes at him. Um, and since this this Perot was actively pursuing him, he's going to actively uh, kind of respond to that. Where he wouldn't seek that out on his own. But funny that he always seems to step into these situations that bring him close to death. Um, seemingly by accident. He's walking down the street and he bumps into somebody who's selling bloody eye or whatever. And now he's wrapped up in this whole thing. These things always seem to happen to Spike. It's like death circles around him, but it never takes him. And it's like he, he kind of pursues that almost. Interesting. I'm looking forward to... Uh... I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm into it. Like I, I agree. Like I'm, I think that's a, a reasonable explanation. And I'm, I'm very much looking forward to... Because you, you have kind of 
people have hinted at me and you've hinted at me that like the the middle of this series is is very monster of the week uh like you, we get these kind of one-off episodes that fill in in a very small way backstories of our characters or you know fill in like minor plots or just like this which is completely a one-off thing which doesn't have anything to do with what we have been dealing with it before or with what our characters are doing and i'm very much looking forward to getting into like kind of the um, to get back to vicious. Like I want to see like kind of what is what the story that they have been writing around as opposed to not telling. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Uh, like I'm I'm, I'm kind of curious mm-hmm. to get to that because I'm at the point where I like Spike and Faye and Jet so much that I want to know more about them. And the preview right. definitely makes right. it seem like we're going to find out more about Jet next episode. Like the the preview, <laughs> yeah, they, which <laughs> they make him seem like he's a creep. They make him seem like a like a pedophile, and he's like, "What are you guys talking about? Yeah. I, I've never done anything wrong. I don't understand." Yeah. Oh, poor Jet. He's not. He's not. They're just giving him a hard time, I guess. So uh, I guess that's it. Unless you have some some further thoughts, you want to wrap up? No, I think that'll do it. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, if you're listening to this as it's coming out, uh, thank you very much for being a patron at patreon.com slash monster of the week. We really, really appreciate you guys supporting us and uh, giving us the ability to do cool podcasts about cool stuff and give me the excuse to talk to Chris for an hour and a half on a microphone every once in a while. So I'm, I'm very excited about that. Uh, you guys probably know all of the links and stuff at Oma2WCast is the, is the Twitter if you want to talk to us. I'm at JG Greer. Chris, you are? I am... At Local Bones. And uh, yeah, again, just thank you for listening. And uh, we'll be back whenever the next episode comes out because this get- this release is really sketch- is, is kind of weird and crazy. Um, but we'll be back with two more sessions. And uh, yeah, see you later. Take care.